Welcome to Flashback, a podcast by the Okaloosa County Public Information Office. Get ready to dust the nostalgia off your sleeve as we talk with Okaloosa citizens who share with us how things used to be. I'm your host, Nick Tomacek. It's time to step into your imaginary DeLorean, tap your flux capacitor, and flashback. I love the beach. It's the reason I moved here from Kentucky. And even after 18 years of beach living, I still try to go to the beach every weekend, even in the winter. I like the color of the sand, the colors of the water on a calm day, the smells, and even the sounds of hungry, swooping seagulls. I saw one of those hungry winged bandits snatch a whole pizza from the hands of a family once. Anyway, one of the things I've learned about the Gulf of Mexico, and in general, is that nature doesn't care. Nature does one thing very well. Nature does nature. And if you don't respect that, you can end up hurt or worse. At the beach, it takes a team of highly trained individuals to keep us safe while we recreate on these perfect beaches. Today, we're going to explore the evolution of beach safety in Okaloosa County. While we currently have a robust team of lifesavers, it wasn't always that way. And unfortunately, it took tragedy to get us here. Sunday, June 8th, 2003, was a sunny day. Clear skies and tourists and locals were out enjoying a day at the beach. The previous week saw some rowdy weather with storms, and most people were cooped up inside, eager for the first sign of relief so that they can enjoy their intended vacations or time to unwind from the work week. The storms from the previous week left a rambunctious Gulf of Mexico. Nature showed herself to beachgoers that day in the form of rip currents. At that time, there was no official beach safety lifeguard division. Lifeguarding was handled by beach chair vendors who also posted the beach flags to indicate water conditions. This meant that it was possible for one beach vendor to have one color flag indicating less severe water conditions and another beach chair company with another color flying indicating something else. What transpired on this day was dozens of water rescues, with some accounts about 40 from from Okaloosa Island to Walton County, and there were likely more. The result at the end of the day was eight lives lost. It became known as Black Sunday. An article in the newspaper the next day quoted a local Okaloosa deputy who described the situation to the reporter, saying, There were red flags up all day. It's like playing Russian roulette. Five times out of six, you're okay, but that sixth time isn't worth the risk. The article notes that maybe people kept going in because they saw others in the water. I spoke with Daryl Welburn. He's the current Okaloosa County EMS chief. He was working that day over 20 years ago. Um, That morning, um, I was coming on duty. The weather was beautiful outside. What was your job at the time? I was a, a shift commander for EMS. I was a shift supervisor for the day. Okay. And the weather was beautiful outside. It was, uh, you know, just a nice summer day. We received the first calls around 10 o'clock on that Sunday morning that there was uh, swimmers in distress. And from that point forward, pretty much throughout the day, uh, we stayed uh, stay busy on the tourism corridor from Destin over into Okaloosa Island and um, uh, the uh, Fort Walton um, 
the Fort Walton shore areas. And we stayed busy all day with water rescues and all told we had eight drownings along the Emerald Coast on that day. So the, the, from a, you know, from a standpoint, yeah, it becomes a, you know, it becomes an exhausting day just because of the amount of, you know, the amount of things that are going on. And keep in mind when this is going along uh, on the shoreline, we also have other calls that are going on in the rest of the county. At the same time this was going on, we actually had a major MVA on the Eglin Reservation where two people were entrapped. So we're trying to manage that at the same time this is going on. So we get, you know, additional resources if we can to come in and to help us out with directing the operations. Um, the crews did phenomenal work that day, um, getting the patients to the hospitals that required transport getting their trucks back in service and getting back out there and being available for the calls uh, all along the coast of you know Oklahoma County, Walton County, everybody was doing phenomenal work and trying to mitigate what was going on uh, out there. This this county is very 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 good at coming together and recognizing an issue and then making sure that a plan's put in place and that we have the right people in the right spots to make sure that the plans are implemented and that they're followed through. The big question was why did this happen and you know how did this occur and how do we make it better? And so through uh, that event became the advent of beach safety as you see it today in Okaloosa County um, where we have paid professional uh, lifeguards uh, on the beaches. They use a combination of, not a, they're very good at saving lives if someone gets into trouble, but more importantly, they're very good at preventative style techniques out there. One of those people that was put into place to make sure this never happened again was Tracy Voss. He was another Okaloosa EMS crew member at the time. He's the current Walton County Chief of Emergency Services at the Walton County Sheriff's Office. He remembers that day with a robust clarity. Yeah, it was It was actually it's, it's what we referred to as the worst case scenario. So you had days leading up to that day of, of just terrible weather. It was, it was rainy, you had this, this spring low pressure system that came on shore, churned up the Gulf in the, in the worst imaginable way. It blew over the water for days and it rained and People stood on their balconies and they looked at the beach that they couldn't go to because the weather was so terrible. And then on Sunday, the, the clouds parted, the sun came out, the rain dried up, and it was a perfect beach day. But because the wind had been blowing over the Gulf for so many days, the Gulf was still angry. So you still had this low, low pressure fetch, as we call it, as wind blows over the surface of the water for a long period of time that had not resolved itself. One of the unique things about the sand along the Emerald Coast, the beaches along the Emerald Coast, is its quartz content and the way the sand is easily moved around by wave action. So rip currents form very easily and very quickly as waves pile up on the beach. So the beach that day was littered with rip currents. and They would close up and they would open up or they would open just as fast as they would close. So you could be standing in a place one minute in waist-deep water, and in the very next minute, the water 
could be washed or the sand could be washed from under your feet and you could be standing in a neck deep hole with water flowing out to the uh, uh, to the wave line and that happened as soon as people started getting on the beach you know that morning it started happening we started getting 911 calls of swimmers in distress and it, it happened all day long I remember as a uh, supervisor on duty that day I can't I can't recall the number of calls that we responded to uh, but I think everybody in any kind of swimming capacity and those who were not, you know, were out in the water trying to make rescues. Surfers were rescuing people um, just because they were already in the water and people needed help. Uh, beach vendors were rescuing people, those who were renting chairs and umbrellas. They were out uh, trying to rescue the, the beach patrons. Firefighters were piling off of fire trucks, EMS staff. I was in the water a couple of times that day rescuing people. And, you know, the dangerous thing about it is none of these people uh, who were trying to affect these rescues were, were certified lifeguards. We were all just, at that time, we were just first responders, and we felt compelled to act, compelled to do something. I think a couple of cases in Walton County, sheriff deputies were in the water. So there was... Uh, it was a long day, for sure. I had uh, rescued someone from a rip current. They were in cardiac arrest. I was doing CPR, and you know, and with the fire department, there was there was a whole team there. By the time I got them out of the water, we were doing CPR on on the person, and somebody from a state up north. There was a gap in the beach chairs that I managed to drag this person onto the onto the beach uh, from the water and. So there was nowhere for this other person to get in the water, so they stepped over the feet of the person I was doing CPR on and walked right into the same rip current that I had just pulled this, this person out of. And it, it, to me, it was I, I, I could not understand it. it. It made no sense. I was distracted with trying to resuscitate a victim of cardiac arrest, but it, it hit me like a ton of bricks is that there are a lot of people here who have absolutely no concept of the risk they're taking. It was quite a spectacle, and for whatever reason, it didn't register to him that he was just as vulnerable to that scenario as the person laying there on the ground. And that struck me as so odd. It was probably the most peculiar case of the human behavior I'd ever witnessed in my <laughs> life. But what I did come to see, I, I, I came to see that over and over again as I transitioned out of EMS and became the beat safety chief. Uh, I witnessed that behavior a hundred more times uh, over that next nine years, ten years. So what was that transition like? I mean, obviously, everybody seemed to recognize up and down our coastline that that was an issue and we needed to make some changes. And it, and it seemed Yeah, like it so was that bad. scenario wasn't unique to uh, Okaloosa and Walton County. Escambia County had a, um, had a number of deaths as well as Santa Rosa County and Bay County. You know, we, there were, I, I want to say there were 24 fatal drownings in 100 days. And I want to say it was later in the year, it was probably even after the season ended, because it really heated up after Labor Day, the, the call to do something about it. There was a, uh, I want to say it was a national news publication, I don't recall which one it was, but it was like an above-the-fold headline front page, Emerald Coast Beach is deadliest in the world. And you can imagine the 
feeling um, on every county commissioner's uh, or the look on every county commissioner in, in, in all four of the, of the coastal counties or five of the coastal counties affected, you can imagine their, the look on their faces when they read that headline mm-hmm. and, the, and the pit of the stomach feeling that this is bad for business. This is the very last thing that we need to be, that needs to be out nationally. Because I was involved in that day and because I had lifeguarding experience as a kid, um, prior to that, you know, my I got put in charge of developing a, a professional life-saving system in Okaloosa County. In the beginning, we worked with the beach vendor. I think it was Sunset Beach Services at the time. The head of that program was J.R. Straczynski. Had, had a, uh, a world, uh, you know, a lifetime of, of watermanship and, and life-saving experience, which I came to rely on significantly, you know, over the you know the next couple of years. You know, the United States Lifesaving Association and the and and their accreditation requirements were very, very clear that lifesaving and beach vending cannot be mixed, which meant that you can't sell chairs and umbrellas and sunscreen and things like that and be a full time lifesaver, watching the water, educating the public. You can't you can't you can't do both of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And our goal was to professionalize the system. And we started training and hiring professional lifeguards. Destin Fire Department hosted a United States Life Saving Association, life, the first lifeguard academy. And Joe D'Agostino was on that team. Joe was a standout. I mean, he was a, a, a recognized waterman. He had, at that point of his career, he had already uh, he already done a lot of life saving in from the from New Jersey all the way to Australia and. And then uh, Fort Lauderdale, so he he was incredibly capable and incredibly uh, knowledgeable about life-saving, life-saving systems. So the fire chief in Destin at the time was uh, Tuffy Dixon. Tuffy, (laughs) as as, as Tuffy related to me, he said, I wanted that guy on the payroll. So he started courting Joe, and I think probably within a year he had Joe uh, up, had him hired as his beach safety chief. Joe D'Agostino is the beach safety division chief for Destin Fire Control District. That's who manages their lifeguards. Here's Joe. It wasn't long after that incident that my supervisor at the time for the city of Fort Lauderdale lifeguards, Jim McCrady, was approached by uh, then fire chief Tuffy Dixon and mayor of Destin, Greg Barker, to, to put on a lifeguard academy, to put on a course um, Tuffy Dixon organized uh, our fire department, I think EMS, Okaloosa County EMS, a few other firefighters within um, Okaloosa County attended a lifeguard academy that um, myself, Jim McCrady, and um, a, another Fort Lauderdale lifeguard by the name of Bill Evans put on. I want to say it was between like between 40 and 60 people with no experience whatsoever, and we put that first Lifeguard Academy on in March of 04. It was kind of impressive to see that sense of community within the the, the public safety service uh, uh, sector. Um, you know, it, that day really hit home with people within that profession. So while some of there was people there that probably in their lifetimes would have never thought to, to be jumping in the Gulf and swimming, 
but they felt so moved by that those tragedies on that day that 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 um you know they they became lifeguards um I don't think it was something that any of them ever had in their in their background or 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 you know had even had a swim background for that matter so um uh, it was pretty impressive to to see that in a in a community and just went full time year round lifeguards so we went from just having five people on four wheelers out there to to there'll be 32 people staffing the beach here on 4th of July this year. Uh, we've grown to have responses on Crab Island. Mm. We have four lifeguard towers in the East Pass, two, two at Noriego Point, as well as two directly in the pass that respond to boater in distress, swimmer in distress, snorkels, snorkeling uh, incidents, scuba incidents. Uh, the program with Junior Lifeguard Program, we've put thousands of kids through our Junior Lifeguard Program. Uh, Destin won a National Lifeguard Championship mm-hmm. in 2015 at the competition in um, in Virginia Beach. Uh, one of my favorites is that we have a beach wheelchair service now at most of the city walkways in Destin so that people that don't have uh, an ability to get onto the sand with their current type of wheelchair apparatus we can put them in a proper beach wheelchair uh we've also started a junior uh, lifeguard program exchange program with australia where for years we've uh had you know four or five young men and women come from australia work for us what's what is their winter and then we've sent probably 30 people over the years over to australia um to work for them so so we've grown this thing from from extremely humble beginning to to I mean it it feels like it's a monster now yeah. um, the amount of employees that I have and what it is that we do so uh, and and unbelievable positive results too and then the actual total of people since 2005 is 3,271 people we've we've pulled from from the Gulf or in one of our waterways you know because it could be the harbor or the bay or something yeah. like that. But, you know I really do think the city of Destin the county of Okaloosa. And the Destin Fire Department and, the, the, you know, the forefathers that, you know, started that, mayor and the fire chief, um, you know, certainly. And some of our commissioners are still on our board that started that. They deserve a pat on the back to say, you know, we can't have this going on in our communities. Now back to Tracy. <laughs> Those were some tough years, man. We wanted to make people safe. And the only way to do that on an, in an open water environment is to put professional lifeguards in the space. That's the only way to do it. Well, the difference is the number of fatal drownings that you have on beaches that are professionally guarded versus the ones that are not. And that's the starkest contrast. We have an outstanding education program on both parts of Okaloosa County beaches in Destin and on Okaloosa Island, where lifeguards are as much ambassadors and educators as they are rescuers. And the very best lifeguards never have to make rescues. And I had a I had a lifeguard like that. Um, I've had several lifeguards like that, but one of them, one of them that comes to mind is, uh, his name is Jake Cook. Uh, he's actually a prosecutor over in Bay County now, but mm. at the time, you know, he was fresh out of college, and he was absolutely convinced that the best way to keep people safe was to talk to them. So Jake just stayed on his feet. He was constantly walking the shoreline. He was constantly what we call quit, stop, and don't. You know, he was like, you shouldn't do that. Don't do this. Come over here and try to have fun this way. That's very dangerous. I would recommend you not do that. And he did that all day long, every day. And he had a gift of being able to talk to people. And he never had to make rescues. 
because he was so active. And we call that good beach management. When you manage populations of people on a beach in a way where you give them information, you give them alternatives, and you show them what their risks are, then they're more likely to give you the behavior that you know they need that will keep them safe. You know, I unfairly get a lot of credit for developing that system when really uh, it was 99% rich up naval. He was by far uh, one of the, the most impactful people on the development of Okaloosa County Beach Safety, at least operationally. You know, my work was done more at the Board of County Commission level, but when it, as, it, as, it, as it relates to actually boots on the ground and training the staff and managing the, uh, the resources and managing the staff that was actually doing the work and leading from the front, uh, Rich Huffnagel was, he was, he was my hero. Been blessed to work with a, uh, with a ton of wonderful, wonderful people over the course of my career. But if there was one, if there is one that stands out as the most impactful and capable, uh, in my career, it's got to be Rich Huffnagel, yeah. for sure. Here's Okaloosa Beach Safety Chief Rich Huffnagel. I've always thought that it was a, a good thing to get out there and, and make warnings and, and educate. And, you know, that really wasn't the philosophy when I came on. It was more reactionary. And I said, well, we can, we can do that and define ourselves by getting out there early and starting to make those contacts and see if we can't get ahead of um, those situations. And so that's, that's what we did. And we just made a, a, a firm effort in uh, uh, making as many contacts as we possibly could. Um, and, and that's how the program has evolved. Um, you know, I, we, we weren't responsive natures. We weren't real fast because everyone was running out of towers to get stuff. And even a 300, 400 yard run uh, for a lifeguard they're spent before they even get to the water. Mm. And then once they're in the water, they got to perform the rescue. So I thought, you know, well, we'll let's get, get them on something that's a little bit quicker, a little bit uh, uh, faster reaction time. So now it's, you know, even if they, even if they do have to make that three, 400, 500 yard uh, down to get a rescue, they're on an ATV and it's much quicker. And they're, they've got plenty of energy to get in the water and, and, and make that swim as fast as they possibly could. So, those two things, both, you know, the education uh, aspect of it and the speed uh, of delivery of that uh, rescue, if needed, um, has helped immensely with everything that, that we had. We were averaging 250 to 300 rescues a year, and no, now those numbers are down to in the 30s for, for rescues. And our contacts um, have gone up exponentially, um, you know, in the, in the original onset. And those those 250 numbers was was at a time when the beach census was still down, hovering around the you know 800,000 mark. Now we're 1.8 million, yeah. and we're we're getting those contacts have doubled, tripled, um, and and now we're seeing the benefits of of those early contacts. And believe it or not, our our uh, patrons that that visit um, Okaloosa Island are returners, so they've had the same, uh, you know, sort of uh, lifeguarding philosophy um, for for a decade plus now. So, 
um, you know, we really have benefited off of off of um, how the guards and the guards just, uh, you know, every year it, it uh, I, I'm astounded by how the guards um, take that philosophy of education and prevention and do those contacts every year. I mean, we're averaging 800, 900,000 contacts, which is just amazing number. And when you talk about a contact, just for folks that don't understand, what are you, what are you talking about when you say a contact? So, um, you know, if you're sitting out there with your kids um, and it's a borderline red flag day or red flag day or even a double red flag day, you're going to get a contact from a lifeguard saying, uh, I'm, I'm such and such your lifeguard today. Um, this is what we have going on. You've got a rip over here. If you look, this is, this is what the rip looks like. Um, I've got them marked right here. Just keep your kids away. No flotation devices. If you're going in, we don't suggest you go in with the kids at all. But if you go in knee-deep only and make sure that you're able to walk out if you feel it pulling at you. And that's it. And they make that 1,000, 2,000 times a day. Wow. <laughs> the, the thing that's happening in the panhandle, and that's, you know, all beaches in the panhandle are gravitating towards that, is the volume of educational and preventative contacts that we're making. And I think that is a paradigm shift that works and are, is starting to happen throughout at least the panhandle and some southern beaches too. So um, it's it's really an, an adopted philosophy now that's happening throughout. You shouldn't go to the beach and have hazardous conditions without a lifeguard saying, hey, this is hazardous. Now back to Tracy. There's no way to quantify the number of lives saved simply by doing that, you know. Yeah. And I think that's the value of of the system that uh, that has been developed over these last well, 20 years now. It was my pleasure to speak with each of the public safety officials in this episode. My hope is that Okaloosa County continues this record in maintaining safe beaches so that we can leave Black Sunday in the past, never to repeat. The next time you're at the beach, be sure to heed the warning flags and the lifeguards. Remember to beach safely. This episode was written and edited by me, Nick Tomacek. Our theme music is composed by Jason Shaw on audionautics.com. Special thanks to Joe D'Agostino, Rich Huffnagel, Tracy Voss, and Daryl Wellborn. Thanks for listening. I'll see you around town.